1: You're watching Leafs Morning Take with host Nick Alberga and former NHLer Jay Rosehill. The show starts
2: now. All right. What's good, everybody? It's a Tuesday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga and the returning Jay Rosehill. It feels like I haven't talked to you in like two weeks, man. How's it going? You look very uh, comfortable today.
1: I am comfortable in the Nation Network Studios. I was wondering if I have a job still. You and Gabby are just growing out this week. My goodness, I thought I was getting phased out aggressively, but uh, yeah, it was a, a a monster upgrade for the show the last couple of days, and very
2: thankful of Bruce Boudreau to stop by and be my co-host and fill in for you while you uh, got some things done. But it's great to have you back in the mix, and uh, as per usual, lots cooking in Leafs Nation. We're also like in a quiet time in the schedule, a light point in the schedule. It's like. How many different episodes of this are we going to have this season? Are they actually going to play some games is my question.
1: Yeah. Are they just going to get out? Like I haven't gone forward in the schedule, but are they just going to play like 19 games in uh, April or something to finish out the season? Cause that'd be just great.
2: It's going to get busy. It's going to get very busy. Obviously. I mean, it goes without saying they have a two game slate this week. They have the Ottawa senators on the road Thursday, then home to Luke and the Nashville predators. I did bring up on yesterday's show. We're going to, we're going to touch base with Shannon later, later this week, right?
1: Touch base with the human. Yeah. He said, he's just got to, just got to coach some kidlets hockey. Then we're going to record something. So I uh, look forward to that this week. So his kids playing hockey in Nashville, eh? Yeah. Yeah. He's, wow. uh, he's like in Nashville, man. It's, uh, it's not a bad place to play and you start to realize why guys go down there to, uh, go enjoy the latter parts of their careers. You know, dude, did you see his fucking fight on, on Saturday? Yeah, he's piss pounding that guy with the left. You see him try to block it, like, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, what is this guy doing, man? I don't know. He's such that. a monster, man. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Like, when I was playing, he was like a guy that could step up if he had to, yeah. like Sasuke Boy um, would do it when he needed to. And then, you know, the way the league goes and the way hockey's happening, all of a sudden he's like, The dude that no one, I mean, I don't know if he's going super heavies, but I mean, he's going some tough guys and he's just hanging in there the whole time. I imagine some of these young guys are just scared of this old fella. These guys don't, don't
2: read the tape, right? I don't think they, they watch video anymore. Like I think everybody and their mother knows Luke Shen just throws lefts, a lot of lefts. like you can throw with both, but he throws with his left. And it it seems to sneak up on the opponent, the opposition fighter, every time he fights, like that's what I noticed in that fight. Again, the guy just
1: had no response, had zero response to the left. I know, and he like well. He did know because he was ready to start blocking with his right. He was doing this old, like literally blocking, <laughs> crazy yeah. instead of like I don't know. It's just a different style that I didn't really like. But he knew he was going lefts and then he just overwhelmed him, and then he stopped the blocking, and then just fell down on his back. And he's a guy that knows what he's doing too. So uh, credit to Luke Shen. Obviously, he's a guy that can get that stuff done in the league still. And I don't know if he imagined being that in uh, the latter part of his career, but uh, he's handling it well and. That shit's valuable as ever. Oh, it is. And I can
2: only wonder if he's going to get another video tribute. Like, where do you stop the video tributes of a guy's coming back for the second time, right? Because we we piled on this story last year. Come home, come home. He comes home, and then he departs again. He goes back to Nashville. So I, I, do, does he need another video tribute? Like, do, you, do you, you put video together of Luke Shen's, like, whatever, 15, 20-some-odd games with the
1: Leafs last year? no of course not especially because he didn't resign you don't you don't even acknowledge his existence he didn't want to resign here you know he already I think that you already <laughs> you did that when he came back this first time after a while of being gone i'm sure he's had one or more of those especially when he came back and he's playing for him but now that he's gone i don't know what are you gonna how many times you gotta do it that is kind of the question like how how many games does the guy gotta play how many years does he have to play how much damage does he have to do on the team to get a video tribute when he comes back i don't know if that's whose whose hands are those in just the pr team or what.
2: I don't know. It used to be a thing where like the best of the best players who returned would get a video tribute. Now you're getting like fourth line grinders. Like I'm sure if you return hey. today, like you would get a full fledged two minute video during the TV timeout. Like that's that, that's the way we're trending with this thing. Do you think when we go live for uh, all star break, I'll get a video tribute there.
1: It's bought. They might even give you a, a, an alumni jacket. Like we're, we're at that. Do you have one of those statue on Legends Row? No, yeah. I want uh, I want one like a, like the Hard Rock Cafe style, but it just says Leafs alum on it. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, because I did see you walk uh, around the alumni box last year. I'm like, this guy's got some pull. He's got some riz. Like, there were some people who recognized you around those parts. I'm sure they saw you in the press box quite a bit, right?
1: Yeah, that's probably the reason why <laughs> I rubbed shoulders with them so much upstairs.
2: <laughs> There's always a running joke who I had Gord Stelic on yesterday. And there was always a running joke, which really wasn't a joke. When Ilya Mikheyev was on the Toronto Maple Leafs, he, I don't know if you remember, he like severed his forearm with a skate Mm -hmm. during the season. And for a good majority of the next two months, he was in the press box. And for some reason, we'd always be making like coffee beside each other. He'd be making a tea, I'd be making a coffee. And it became a regular bit on our show where it's like, yeah, Nick's making coffee or a drink for Ilya Mikheyev. So I think people don't realize it in different press boxes around the league, you're actually seeing the players more often than you would
1: think. Yeah, you're bumping into people all the time up there. It's uh it's not where you wanna be when you're down watching the game, but uh you sit there with the injured guys and the scratches and usually I stay away from the brass, let those guys watch on their own and uh you know, have a have a bowl of popcorn, watch the game, see how easy everything is from up there, shake your head at how bad everybody is. But uh no, you wanna be down there, but you're bumping into Don Cherry up there and you're seeing yeah. these guys, this guy. It's fun, man. It's uh it's cool. And yeah, that's probably why people um kind of said hi to me when in the alumni boxes. They recognized me from the presser. I would say Scotiabank arena is louder in
2: the press box than the actual arena is like, I remember sitting there and you can hear Kyle Dubus, You can hear the executives. You can hear some of the players like hooting and hollering over every penalty, every shot, like in some barns, you're not hearing that, but for Scotiabank arena purposes, like you do. And, and that's unique sort of feel about the press box. There It's kind of hilarious. Like, when I worked for Sportsnet, we always, uh, you know, sat right under Kyle Dubis, so you would like look up just to take a glance at how he's feeling about a game. But uh, that's the one thing people didn't realize—he was very, very vocal in the press box. You could hear Kyle Dubis on every play, and there were some players
1: he wasn't a big fan of. <laughs> yeah, he was an animated guy, and uh, whatever. How about the barn, though? It's like we've scored some tying goals to go into overtime yeah. lately, some big ones. And that barn can get on its feet when it wants to. It's just not consistent. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like the, the one thing I've noticed is like, it's a lot different in the Stanley cup playoffs, which at the very least I can be happy and positive and optimistic about is I, I, the fans will step up when it matters, but I just look around the league, Rosie, and you know, I watch a lot of hockey. I just wish Scotiabank arena would be a house of play, a house of pain comparable to like other buildings, Montreal, mm-hmm. Nashville, Philadelphia, Vegas, where you step in there as the opposition team, and you know it's going to be a long, long, serious night. And I just don't get the sense any of the any of these guys feel that way. Like they go in a Scotiabank Arena and they're like it's points night. Like there's no there's no fear to the game. It feels.
1: I wonder what it is with like the acoustics or like if it's set up yeah. for concert venues or what. I know that the clientele, especially down on those platinum, silver seats or whatever they're not the ones to paint their face and be hooting and hollering. They're down having sushi and frigging Chardonnay with some dickhead <laughs> client or something like that, which is super annoying. I understand that. But when I do know that it can get loud, it gets rocking, but I mean like the United center in Chicago, it's just loud all the time. Yeah. It's just loud. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the building or, or the fans or a combination of both, but I do know that like, you know, opening night we're, like, this team is ranked very high. We have a lot of high-end skill. We got guys locked up. We're blah, blah. We made some splashes in the offseason. They haven't seen a game in four months. And, like, your star, Austin Matthews, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's go. Yeah, it's it's like like, a, what yeah. is going on, dude? That's just so unacceptable. But like I said, the last couple of games we've had, like Austin in particular has tied it up with whatever, like six seconds left, that type of thing. The place sounds like it's going to explode. So it is yeah. possible. That's for sure. It
2: sounds like, like a Thursday and round one of
1: a four round golf tournament, right? Where there's like a
2: gentle applause and people realize like, there's still more to come in the tournament and it's just a feel out process. But You know, just put it this way. I've covered, uh, you know, I've I've covered the Leafs for a variety of years and stuff like that. I still find it supremely difficult to go to a game. I think it's just way overpriced. I can't justify spending 300, 400 bucks on a pair or at least one ticket. Like it just, it doesn't make sense for me. And if I'm going to watch the Leafs, I'm going to go somewhere else and watch it, whether it's Buffalo or Philadelphia or Montreal or or Vegas, I just don't, it's not amongst, uh, you know, sadly, it's not uh, not amongst one of my favorite barns to watch a hockey game in the league, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's been that way for a while, man. Things are getting more and more expensive. And when you got something like that, that unfortunately lots of people are enthusiasts of that team and they have been for a long time it's a huge population around there there's only one team so they kind of set the price with those tickets and it, it is unfortunate because i feel bad for those people that are truly diehard fans um that that have never seen a game and, or won't see a game. It's, it's, uh it's gotta be frustrating for them. And you feel that. And especially when you see the dead building and, and how much passion there is around the team. And then to, to see the building dead, like on opening night, for example, it's uh it's a shitty, it's a shitty way to do it. But uh, I just don't know what you're going to do with the economics of things and it being an enterprise that's worth a couple billion dollars. It's for a reason. Right. And I don't know. I just wish there could be some way you could, could have like a, a real fan appreciation night and shove them in there and just see how loud that baby could get. I just don't know what some of these
2: people do for a living. Like I live in Toronto, cost of rent cost of buying is just utterly ridiculous. I don't know how these people have like leftover money to go watch a hockey game or have season tickets. But again, we'll have that conversation throughout the season. It is the holiday season, Rosie. Did you see this uh, cameo appearance uh, for Austin Matthews with Ryan Reynolds and Michael Bublé, the new holiday fundraising campaign for, the uh, Toronto Sick Kids Hospital. Do you see this? We'll, we'll
1: no, play it in a second. I haven't yet. I heard it's funny, though. Here it is.
0: Hey, kids. It's NHL superstar Austin Matthews. Hey. I want to make a
2: movie. I think they nailed it. Um I, all I could think about was Austin Matthews acting and I don't know if you've seen the new Connor Bedard commercial, but he's a better actor than Connor Bedard. And I'm sure you've seen that Connor Bedard commercial because it plays every three seconds.
1: Uh, it's always funny to see who can do that and who can't. Like some guys are natural. Some guys are just yes. completely scripted and it's like, oh, but the, it doesn't even matter because it's just like put his name and his face up and that's all they give a shit about. But I don't know, a couple extra takes, maybe loosen a guy up. Austin seemed all right there though. You know what I yeah. mean?
2: Yeah, he's used to it. He's another commercial too, right? But like you're right, some guys are just so stiff. Like for example, I think somebody like you would have been a natural at that. But then you see other guys and you're like, "Wow, like Conor Bedard, I know he's a superstar, but I always say like there's a it's good him and Connor McDavid are really good at hockey because I don't I, I don't see an Oscar in his future, you know?"
1: Or what about the Crosby and McKinnon ones for Timmy's there? I don't know if it was this year, last year or something. Sometimes it's just like, good Lord, do a little more than read the script. Like you can wing it and make it like actually you sing it, you know, guys. But uh, I don't know. Not in the cards for some people. Not everyone has endless talent like you, Nick. I'd always like to be in a shoot when they have players that ilk
2: like uh, Bedard. Like I... I would almost feel pressure to finish it as quickly as possible because it is Conor Bedard I'm dealing with, right? But that's what I think makes these people professionals in terms of slowing down the shoot and making the best thing possible because I tend to agree. And and maybe that's what they're looking for is the cringe factor, right? Like maybe you want these guys to be so shit at acting that we keep watching and watching and watching the commercial because, again, that Conor Bedard one with Honda, I think it is, is, is ridiculous. Like it's so bad.
1: I don't think I've seen it. Maybe it just plays out it's east bad. there, but he's just, uh, I could see him being, oh, I mean, those guys get so good at hockey for a reason. They are one dimensional. They have one track mind. It's hockey, 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 hockey. And I think when you're like that, when you put every waking hour into something, I guess you don't have a lot of time to develop other parts like your personality. I don't know. I'm shotting in the dark here, but uh, it seems to be a theme where you get these guys on camera and they're just dust with just reading the script and not putting any like actual emotion or real personality into it, I guess you'd say.
2: I I blame the uh, the media relations people from them and junior or wherever they played hockey the last 10 years because they're trained from an early time. I remember I used to cover the London Knights in the Ontario Hockey League. Like these guys are ready to go by like 15. I remember John Tavares interviewing him at like 17, 18. Like he was a robot. You were getting absolutely nothing, giving you stock answers. We're seeing that from Bedard. We've seen that for years from McDavid. It's just what it is. It is what it is. Like, I mean, the athlete is so much different in the NHL than say the NBA where on a daily basis there's drama, guys doing something ridiculous and it's it's making public uh, spotlight whereas like the NHL like they're going to say the least amount possible, just get it out of the way and and that's it. But I think the underlying story here is the Leafs continue to do great things with sick kids and the fundraisers and even I remember Luke's troops with Luke Shen. Like can you speak to that? Like what's done behind the scenes because it's not just about the on-ice play, right?
1: No, there's lots of things that go on behind the scenes and the the bigger, I think the bigger you are, the bigger the market and everything, the more, the more you put into that kind of thing. And, you know, giving back is, is pretty big. And a guy, I think like a guy like Luke Shen, like, you remember he was 18 year old uh, rookie high first round pick makes the team they didn't have a whole lot on the roster there. Like they would call like Ron Wilson called him the face. They're like, where's the face? Where's the face? Cause he was like the face of the franchise there for a while. And uh, he came in as an 18 year old, did quite well as a defenseman in the NHL at 18. Like who does that? So he was kind of everywhere. And they said, Hey, do you want to do some kind of a, some kind of a pattern, some kind of a thing. And uh, you know, I think he just uh, gravitated towards that charity and he, he literally it's it's not a it's not just a PR stunt he out of his own pocket or I don't know if it's paycheck or what but he gives out x amount of seats to veterans every single game Mm -hmm. and pays for them personally and does that kind of thing to say thanks and you know anytime an organization does something like that it's I mean why wouldn't you right there's so much money coming in there's so much privilege it's nice to uh to give back and actually do something that uh that benefits people like you say that might not be able to come and do things otherwise or sick kids is such a given man we should do that all yeah. the time it would be like going into the like say you're bitching about practice or where you are on a line or how you played last this or this isn't fair you got whatever's going on in your life and you go into the bloody cancer ward at the children's and and these kids got the biggest smiles on their face and they're hospital rooms all decorated with like cars and disney stuff and you're like jesus they live here man it just pulls some perspective back into your life going you dumb bastard like give your head a shake appreciate every second yeah if things aren't going great figure it out but don't be dragging your uh your lip all over the place when you realize how good you got it in that league and it's nice to do that things for the player as well because it gives them some perspective on their life so a little bit a little bit of deep stuff for you there today nick
2: I like it very well said, and it's uh, it's important to bring that up because again, people don't realize that if you watch the common NHL or the NHL game, you're not really seeing the behind the scenes. I know in this day and age, you get to see it a bit more, pull back the cover a bit than you did maybe like ten years ago. But a lot happens. Like these guys are very very busy even on their off days, and I thought it was a great touch to have Austin Matthews uh, in that cameo appearance, that fundraiser with Toronto Sick Kids. Speaking of which, as mentioned, it is the holiday season, Rosie, and if you're looking for a gift idea this holiday season. Well, you're in fantastic luck. I hope you maybe could find some nation gear here as we uh, have been wearing the last couple of weeks. Order by December 10th to receive your nation gear before the holidays. Visit nationgear.ca. That's nationgear.ca. To check out our latest collections i'm pretty sure your kids will be getting some nation gear this uh this holiday season
1: yes sir it's actually uh it's actually good stuff too when that comes to your door you don't know what to expect where they're getting it from where they're ordering it from and it's like nice high-end stuff that's uh nice and cozy and probably last a long time too so go get your stuff it's uh it's good stuff Great promo. Great promo. Uh,
2: at yeah. the Leafs Nation 401, where you can subscribe. If you're watching here on YouTube, smash that like button. Leave us a comment and subscribe. If you're not subscribed, just tuning in for the first time. Hello, I'm Nick Alberga. That's Jay Rose at the Leafs Nation 401. Uh, least want to take wherever you find your podcast. as we roll into the appetizer brought to you by DoorDash. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off, up to $10 in value, and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more When you download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25, that's code NATION25, uppercase or NATION25, for 25% off your first order with DoorDash, offer valid in Canada, subject to change. Terms apply. So the Board of Governors for the NHL meeting in Seattle and uh, a hoopla of news coming out of uh, day one, I suppose, and among them is expansion. Like, where are we going with this thing? Like, I really don't want to see, like, a 36-team league, but... There's been talk of Houston, Atlanta, Salt Lake City. Quebec City's wanted a team back for like 35 years now. I just don't know how far you can go with this. Having said that, Rosie, as you know this, having played in this league, it is all about money. And unfortunately, the revenue is just way too good, too rich to give up. And I think it's a foregone conclusion. We're going to see more teams enter the fold here in the next couple of years.
1: I know. It seems fast. Like you got Vegas and Seattle right now. It seems like those just popped up real quick and they're like the new the new kids on the block still and to think you're going to do more like you've already tried Atlanta like have you ever been to Atlanta it's got to be like the furthest thing from a hockey market on the planet and they've tried it twice and it's failed so let's go back again like what, who I just don't get that like who's beating their head against the wall trying to force Atlanta to like hockey like Jesus man and I don't know people are People keep saying, oh, another one in like Hamilton or in the GTA, like good luck on the Leafs allowing that to happen. And Hamilton, like it's just not big enough and they're not, Leafs aren't going to like that. They tried it in Quebec City and it's just seems like too remote and I don't know if their populations big enough. Maybe a lot's changed since the Nordiques left, but they just really seem to want to pump another team out and i feel like that 32 game 32 team league it breaks up so nicely east west the playoffs are beautiful it's just it's it's such a nice setup right now and you're gonna you're only gonna be able to do one at a time you're gonna dick that up that bad with a 33 Three team league it's just i i wish they wouldn't but like you said money talks and mm-hmm. i don't know the owners just love that expansion money and everyone's getting a piece and a taste and i don't know i just I, I just hate to see them do it and then one struggle and then it fold or get relocated like atlanta we've done this twice guys my fear
2: my fear is about watering down the rosters like i think mm-hmm. we're getting to that point and hell you you Teams can't have like a healthy goalie anymore. Like imagine adding two more teams to the mix. That means you're adding like at least six more goalies. If you want three per side, like I, I just think the product is going to be watered down. But again, at the end of the day, I don't think anybody involved really cares or, or matters. I, I mean, it's all about money. It's it's so much money. It's, it's sickening how much money will be involved in the transaction. And I think to your point, like I, I, I it's received on Atlanta but it's such a monster market in the States. And that's why they see opportunity to grow. Like I think you see and you look at TV markets, it's it's one of the biggest. And uh, I think that's the opportunity they see, they being the NHL, just the opportunity for growth. And uh, obviously with the NBA and others being in Atlanta, the NFL, like there's, it's just really, really big. But I, I'm with you. Like, I, I mean, I never understood why, if it didn't work the first time, why are you going back and back and back? Like we're seeing what happened or, what's happening right now with the Winnipeg Jets? And they're not a very good team, but they've been much better as of late. The crowd has come back, but it just shows you the margin for error in some of these markets is razor thin. And you better be very, very careful when making the next decision because it could go, uh, it could backfire on you. Having said, I mean, the track record has been there with Gary Bettman in the last little while. I mean, he nailed on Seattle, smoked it on Vegas. And, uh, you know, the track record's been pretty decent lately.
1: Yeah, true. I mean, that's kind of his claim to fame over his uh, time is the expansion that he's made into the United States. I think Gretzky had a lot to do with that in the 90s there with his trade to LA and what that did to kids down there. I mean, I'm literally playing all of a sudden professionally with players from California and XYZ. And they're like, yeah, dude, it was like Wayne and the Mighty Ducks are (laughs) are what did that. And it's pretty neat to get hockey in other markets and i'm all for growing the game and whatnot but if it's if you're just shoving teams in towns that don't even want them just for the sake of expansion money and greed like That's no good. And you got to do it right too. i have said before. I mean, when you go down to Florida to play, when you go play the Panthers, you go out to like Sunrise, Florida. It's out in like the this Everglady crocodile friggin alligator area with outlet malls and and retirement homes. That's all there is out there. And they have trouble drawing crowds and whatnot. And it's like, Jesus. And then you, you like the next day you go play Tampa and their barn is on Channel Side Drive by you know, the bars and the restaurants Beautiful. and the shopping. Yeah. And it's like, that place is absolutely rocking. They've won cups. They've had tons of success. They have a huge following they kale in it. So I get it costs a little more money to put a barn somewhere with, you know, a population. But when they try to cheap out and like, look at the n- disaster that Glendale, Arizona is, <laughs> no one gives a shit. No one's going out to Glendale. Oh, let's change the name from Phoenix to Arizona. So it feels like it's everyone's team get real man uh, you got to you got to do it right if you're going to spend the money and you want to make the money you better do it right the first time so i hope they don't screw that up again and and put something out in the middle of the in the in the sticks and expect people to go out and drive out there to follow if it's not even in a hockey market it barely works in on in uh, Ottawa for crying out loud
2: don't forget uh they they've been in Atlanta twice this could be a third time for Atlanta but i i again i'm sort of in the middle on it cuz again i don't want to see a watered down product but i think you're you're so right on that front. Um, a lot came out of the, um, these conversations at the Board of Governors meetings. Um, they talked about NHL gambling, or they're, they're in the midst of talking about that. There's so much gray area around that. Um, the, the one that caught my eye, aside from the salary cap, which we're about to talk, to talk about, is that it sounds like the NHL draft is a go for Vegas, which means you and I and others in Sin City. Uh, your level of excitement for that, Rosie?
1: Uh, oh, Vegas isn't my favorite town in the world. I don't know why. I've had I think I go a little too hard when I'm there and end up with a sour no. taste in my mouth. Is
2: this gonna be yeah. your first time since you almost fought Alex Ovechkin in the casino or?
1: Yeah, this will be the this will be the return for me, but um can no, I, it he'll probably be there again. <laughs> so is this is this the last draft before they go um what are they going to do go like online or not make a big deal about it or something like that? Like they're totally yeah, they're going to decentralize it. it. But from my
2: understanding, like I think media are still going to go to these drafts. Like, I, there, there's so much gray area. And then it sounds like not every GM is on board with this thing. But again, I, I, I like that if this is the final shebang, with everybody involved Vegas is going to be the destination. And there's talk that the sphere could be like the central location, which I think would be
1: incredible for a draft. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, the outside of it is just unworldly. It's you've never, no one's ever seen anything like it. It's, yeah. it's, it looks fake, man. With, you know, you see, you watch the golfers play in the spheres in the background. It looks like there's like an emoji on the screen and it's a real bloody screen, the size of a, a massive building. So very cool. I'd love to see the inside of it um, and bring some attention to that. I would like personally, let's start lobbying right now that we need to be down there to cover this thing. Oh, we're going to be. Okay. We, love we're it. going to be.
2: I've already yep. done that lobbying months ago, man. I don't know where you've been, but I was at the last one, if you remember.
1: Well, I know you were. I'm talking about me, too. Like, we're a team here, guys. I don't know any, if I'm not. You and you've Boudreau been over there, by Boudreau Boudreau Boudreau, Boudreau, buddy. Yeah, exactly. It's just you two are a team. A
2: tandem <laughs> no, tone, from man. from everything I gather, I think we're both going to be there. And uh, if, if you're in Leafs Nation and watching the show or listening to the show and you have aspirations of being at the draft, make sure you find us. And maybe it gives us the inside track on having Alex Ovechkin on the show, but probably not. Maybe we we'll reenact the whole fight scene with you two.
1: I wonder if he'd even remember that, dude. Moving on. I wasn't even going to No, that I want to stay on that topic.
0: The
2: salary cap. Okay, we've... So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: For some reason, this has been like a two-year ordeal, like ever since the pandemic, I guess, officially ended. The cap's going up. The cap's going up. Well, a bit of clarity yesterday, although nobody seems to have the exact number speculation but to preface the number is 83 and a half this year it sounds it can go as high as 87.7 which would be 4.2 million bucks any penny as many as they may be I think would help the Maple Leafs obviously right
1: yeah for sure man I mean that's why they're watching it so tightly that's why fans are paying attention now it's you know how close were they getting last year down to like 12 bucks $12 dude that is insanity so yeah it's a big deal especially when you got yourself jammed up against it I mean we've got some relief with you know Matt Murray like depending on what's going on with Klingberg here um, you get some relief but man they've put themselves in some tight spots and you know, with Nylander coming up and Marner and, you know, you got these guys locked in and some guys that need to still come, but we still need some defensemen and those guys are going to command a high dollar. It's uh, it's big news and it's a big deal. And when you get that little shot of relief, you know, whether it be, you know, how far off are we with William Nylander? When you hear you got four extra million dollars to play with, I promise that's a big deal and it's a big deal to every team. And it's nice that these uh, you know, uh, I imagine the owners that actually want to win are happy that it's, it's, going up in many ways it means everyone's making money so you know anytime you see that cap go up it means the league's doing good the game's doing good the revenue's there and and you're going to be able to spend more to uh to get some good product out there in front of everybody
2: in theory that should cover the race for Nylander right like uh he was at 6.9 so if you 4 million bucks from seven around 11 10 and a half 10 in theory but again you got to do business elsewhere and something tells me that price tag could come down. I haven't been crazy about his game lately.
1: Mm, I wonder if you ask him and his agent if they would agree. Well, I don't care who, if they agree or not. He's been puck watching a lot lately. He was uh, because he blew he a,
2: a wheel. For the winner, Brad Marchand, winner on Saturday.
1: A <laughs> uh, little lackadaisical. Blows the wheel. Goes down. I think um, Tavares took a fair bit of heat for that when you ice okay him, right? I remember wondering where everybody was, but when you're in overtime and you know, the three on three, it's just a different beast. When they, when they, when a guy gets a breakaway, it's hard not to be like, ah, shit, let's just, I'm just going to watch and see if he scores here. You got to get your ass back because there could be rebounds and whatnot, which exactly what they, they had there. And I mean, if, if John was, Hauled his ass back as soon as the turnover happened, that he could have prevented that goal, no question. There's also the other side of the conversation where it's like, well, when that you know, if, if they, if he doesn't just score on the breakaway, there's the game's over. But if he, if he doesn't, and there is the rebound chances are, you know, our defenseman will get that. Everyone's moving North with it. Tavares hangs out there. And then there's a breakaway going the other way, which is, you know, part of that three on three, it's odd man rushes, like crazy. It's turnovers, it's breakaways. It's that's what it's kind of all about. But when you, when you realize and look Back in hindsight and say, Well, they scored on a rebound and John's standing there staring. It's a bad look, no doubt, but I think you got to put yourself in them shoes. Um, how tired is the guy, too? Like, is there if you absolutely back check from the far blue line for a breakaway, you're you're toast as soon as you do get the puck and there's no one to give it to, you could get hemmed in your zone even further. Different couple ways to look at it, but yeah, right off the bat, you look and you say, Why are you watching? this game unravel in front of you so I see both sides of it but I don't think it's as bad as it looked at uh, first check
2: the key is who collided with Willie Nylander was it Bradley who scored the game winner Bradley Marshawn yes so and I, I'm not expecting Tavares to catch David Pasternak but I'm also expecting to make the right responsible defensive play and Marshawn's all alone in front because Tavares is struggling to get back again. He doesn't play very much in three on three and I get it. And I'm with you. Like I, I didn't read much into it. I know Lee's fans were a little flabbergasted by the whole situation, but I think if if you're, you're pointing blame at him, you're pointing blame at Nylander. It took him eight hours to get up. Like it was like, you know, wave the white flag, but To give guys like Pasternak and Marshawn and guys of that ilk that much time, they're going to burn you, and that's exactly what happened.
1: Yeah, and again, you look at the breakaway, and it, it's hard not to go, "Oh shit!" Let's see if th- this is yeah, over yeah. or not. Like brutal, but, yep. and you forget that like it's not just one and done. So, it, yeah, it ends up being a bad look. It's tough to lose that in overtime. Good on them to get into overtime. They're down two nothing to start the, you know, the whole game, and they crawl back. They showed a lot of character. They need a goal in the last minute of the game. Boom! They get that goal. That's that's high character. It could have gone either way in overtime, as it always does. You get the one point. You look on the bright side, but yeah, to lose. It in overtime with a blown wheel where guys aren't really hustling to get back, and it's Brad Bloody March on burying it on you. Shitty taste in the mouth to start off the Saturday night, that's for sure.
2: Man, we got a rare appearance from Brandon Shanahan at the board of governors yesterday, too. We spoke with Gino Retta of TSN, but he said fucking nothing. Like I I broke down what he said. Like he, he said nothing. Like I, it, it kind of annoyed me that we never hear from Brendan Shanahan. The one time he speaks, he says absolutely nothing. He said, I think over the last 10 games, our team has played much better and has that rhythm and cohesive 20 man unit game, whatever that means. Five on five plays is what he was talking about there. The results have been good. We want it to be better. Our record is strong, but we're looking to get that entire game back. Like it's sickening. I, I often tweet about Ross Atkins, the GM of the Blue Jays. And every time he speaks, I want to puke myself. We're getting to that point with Brendan Shanahan, Like just even the way he conducted this interview, I, I know Gino was trying to, you know, ask him a question about Nylander and he kept sort of like scoffing it off, like laughing it off. Like he kept asking if if he's concerned about Nylander's play. And I get that. And maybe you worded it a bit differently, but Gino Red is a legend. He was giving absolutely nothing. Um, uh, I don't think anybody in their right mind watching this team over the first 20 games. I don't care if you the team president or the team mascot, which needs to change by the way, but it never will. It's a fucking bear, but like you can't be completely satisfied with the product we're receiving. Can you?
1: No, I don't really think anyone is. I mean expectations are higher, and the consistency's not there. I don't think the roster is where it needs to be, and you know the guys we brought in, you know you look at you look at Domi, you look at bertuzzi. we kind of expected more out of them so far, like with Domi, I thought he'd play with more of an edge. I thought he'd be tougher. I thought he'd be more of a physical presence. I thought you know he'd have more than one goal by this uh, point in the season sure. and it's just hasn't gone that way. So expectations for guys are, are a little bit higher. We do, we did expect more. Um, we still kind of have those blunders where, you know, you lose to Chicago and they don't show up for a game and they just expect to win by being there. I guess it's kind of a bad trait to have. And they've had that a little bit in the last couple of years, no question, but like just for Brennan Shanahan, I mean, I don't even listen to those things. I really don't because to get a lot of, just hot air coming out. It's like you press, you press end at the end and you go, what did I learn? Fucking zero, man. It's pointless to talk to him. And if I were in his position, I mean, you have the reins of the whole cart. Like, wait till you have something to say that you want to say out loud that you think, I mean, I understand you're in this market and the reason they don't say anything is because it could get turned and twisted into, into something and create negative publicity and negative energy and all this stuff. So they just stay away from it. But like, if you do have something to say at one point in time, it doesn't have to be at the board of governors meeting, meeting just be like, Hey, throw a camera on me right now. I'm going to come in after so-and-so after this game and just say, Hey, here's some developments with something. Just, just something that's positive that you have already thought about and talked about with the PR team and can't be turned around on you and spun in a different way and sit down and talk once in a while about what's going on. Then it feels like you're being transparent. It feels like people are on board with you. It feels like, yeah, I know the direction they're going as opposed to sitting there going, well, we're really looking forward to being more consistent as a five man cohesive unit. Like that, get out of okay. here. Like it's just, I don't, that's why I don't even listen. Cause I know there's no point to that stuff. And Shanny doesn't talk very often. And, I don't know. It just leaves that mystery of who's actually making the calls. Is he blocking tree living from doing what he oh. wants? Is is he hands yeah. off? Is he completely hands on is who's a figurehead and who is, and it makes for a lot of uh, questioning going on behind the scenes. All right. The key word
2: is transparency. Like he's gone fully corporate and I'm with you. Like this guy never talks. And then he talks for the first time in months. I can't remember the last time Brendan Shannon spoke to the media and it is Gino Retta mm-hmm. and he does a great job for TSN. And he, Said absolutely nothing. Like, just give us something. Be transparent. I think, you know, often, you know, the team or whatever, ha, you know, is wondering, you know, why guys do hits and stuff like that because of the way things are spun. But I think things would be so much different if there was just a smidget of transparency within this market. Like, they they gave us nothing. They give anybody nothing. It's it just, it really, really was mind boggling. Um, watching Shanahan yesterday, I'm like, what am I watching? Why did I waste three minutes of my time? But I did anyways, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if there's nothing to be transparent about, like what I get the other side of it, kind of, where what do you want them to see? All I wanted to hear was like, we're not playing
2: good enough. It's unacceptable. There's no fucking accountability with this team, dude. I've witnessed this year after year after year when they lose in the playoffs. It's always about the future. It's always about the core four. Like there's always excuses We're going to be better next time. And then they come out next time, the same fucking team. I just want accountability. That's such a big word for me in my life. And I feel like the Leafs are not really accountable every year when they lose. Like, there's no accountability in the organization. I can't even say the word, quite frankly.
1: Yeah, I see the frustration. And I mean, it's the... I, I feel like they've lost... I feel like they've lost sight of the fact that it, like the time is now you're not going to have this, you know, you're not going to have this dynamic of a roster all the time. Like if you look at teams, they go through ebbs and flows and rebuilds yeah. and they peak and plateau. And we're kind of at that peaky plateau point in time right here where you got certain guys wrapped up and it's like, the time is now And when you keep blowing first rounds and losses and, this and that and you keep saying well it's like dude you might be rebuilding here soon you might be like it's not always going to be this way and I feel like the city has kind of gotten themselves in a point where we're just used to being like every year just assuming oh we're going to contend but we like never do it's like no not every year are people going to say you're in a position to contend for the Stanley Cup it's there's only a handful of teams that that, that's said about you and when you're in that uh when you're in that in that zone in that time period you got to make hey while the sun shines and so far they have not been doing that tim writes in it's about five year cycles
2: um akimbo jimbo is uh saying shanna will never give anything smart of him sean Godette writes in: sounds like the government yeah those are all factual <laughs> factual things to say in comments as we move forward here at least morning take the following segment is brought to you by charm diamond centers get custom ring building delivered in less than four weeks with the charm masterpiece program and an unbeatable pricing policy charm diamond centers has given you a chance to win a five thousand dollar gift card become a champion with the propose how would you propose one knee the bend and snap tag at charm diamonds on instagram and a poster story with a video or photo of your propose be sure to hashtag the propose to be entered and uh, i just wanted to catch up quickly rosie like You always scoff at this, but the Leafs, they're not winning the division, man. They're nine points back of the Boston Bruins. That was a big fucking loss over the weekend. I said this on yesterday's show. Accountability is not a thing in this market. It was a moral victory. They found a way to come back against Boston again. I was probably the only one disappointed by that game. So I thought the Leafs were the better team. They shot themselves in the foot in the second half, third period specifically, OT. And they said, you know what, Boston? You take this game. You're better than us. Take this. We don't want it.
1: Well, it shows how thin the margins are in the NHL, right? You you take a no response at Well, you take it, it just comes like you say, they thought they were better a team, but they go down two nothing. And then you know it's are a better team, and you know they they have that big of a blunder in overtime. Like it's just those the, the margins are so thin. You can yeah you can do so much right, but but you got to be sharp and you got to pay attention because it's the one little one little blunder, especially against the Boston Bruins, where that's the difference in the game, dude. It's not like you get six and seven different chances to win the game. You kind of get like one or two, and if you don't a bury your chances and b you not make those those brain blunders in your own zone and and those types of turnovers and and mental mistakes then it's just you're not going to get it done and they have not been good enough hence the nine point lead in in the division no they're not winning this division there's there's too many teams that are stepping up more than people anticipated this year and uh, Boston's a perfect example of how they all get the same mindset they all get the same um attitude and character and they they just they're battling for each other and you gotta emulate that somehow and with this locker room by not getting it done i feel like the missing piece is is that character of where we're all on the same page we all know what we're doing we don't give a shit where we're playing who we're playing against what happened yesterday this is how we play every single night and it's it's not that it's a coin flip where you're sitting here going oh boy I I hope the the right kind of Leafs show up today and it's it's that Jekyll and Hyde man we don't quite know who we're gonna get day in and day out so far and I imagine they're working on it but it's it's unfortunate because it's not like oh we just got to fix the power play it's it's more of a character identity issue and I hope they're working towards it, man, because so far what we've seen this year is not a team that's going to go deep in the playoffs.
2: Sean writes in again, nine points is only five wins from the lead. Easy Debbie Downer, President Trophy winners hardly win the Cup. Uh, Well, that would have to mean five Boston losses, which I'm sure if you haven't seen, they don't lose very often. And again, maybe I am a Debbie Downer. But again, as I always say, the regular season doesn't matter. But I do think it is a process and I haven't been crazy about the process thus far. Five regulation wins in 22 games. 11 of their 22 games have gone OT. By the way, I have been hearing the last couple of days that the Leafs are eager to get something done on the trade front. Whether that comes to fruition or not, we saw Zadorov go last Thursday. We haven't talked since then. Uh, I did text you right away because you're all hot and horny. You're going to the Flames game to scout Nikita Zadorov, and he didn't play that game, right? He was gonzo.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Zadorov's not the end all be all either. Right. It's uh no, you,
2: know, you, like, you mentioned on last week's show that you're off the, the Zadorov bandwagon because your buddy told you about him, right? Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't say I watch every single Leafs game, but um <laughs> through the grapevine, I just like how he's six foot six. He plays physical. He can play defensive. I like that stuff. But when you watch Tanev, I mean, blocking shots with his face, um, makes that breakout pass defensively responsible in the zone complain your top four you know you can throw him in there with O'Reilly or, or McCabe or Brody and, and and really compliment it there and then all of a sudden that that really shores up the back and I really think we need that and I, I I'd like to have it sooner than later and I we've had this conversation all the time like let's get something done now but unfortunately on the other side of the spectrum those teams with those guys may not be in as big of a rush to unload them.
2: That's exactly it. Uh, they've been linked to Chris Tanev. He would make the most sense. And again, from a lot of people, Darren Dreger, I think, saying the last couple of days as well, um, it sounds like they think they would be able to re sign Chris Tanev too, which I think is a big part of this whole situation. I think Tanev's exactly what this team needs. So we'll see if that happens. But again, you look at Calgary, they've been much better as of late. I think this Adorov situation was a bit different. He had requested a trade. I think there's so many moving parts with Calgary. Sean Walker is another name with Philadelphia, but the Flyers have been playing much better. They're sniffing around a playoff spot. I get it. It's still relatively early in terms of looking at the standings, but outside of San Jose and and Chicago, the rest of the teams in the NHL, like, it's not like anybody has punted uh, so far on that front. So certainly I think something to monitor at the very least, I think that the Leafs are going to pull something off. This could be the week they're getting clarity. It sounds like on John Klingberg over the next couple of days. And, it's a it's a light schedule with just two games so i think if there's a perfect time to do it it's now but again you need to find two to tango of course brad tree Living being one of them and an opposition GM, gm being the other and we'll see if it comes to fruition over the next couple of days for more information go to charmdiamondcenters.com all right gang listen up it's time to learn the pro pose coach oh. bend and
1: snap Beautiful form. Nice arm extension, facial expression, I could use some work. All right, let's see it. The pro pose. What's that guy doing? I think that's the bend and snap. That's a whole different deal. Mm. Charm, home of the pro pose.
0: Mm.
2: The pro pose, baby, you're, you're loving that commercial. You're giggling over there,
1: eh? I liked it. A little bit of a uh, little bit of pizzazz on a commercial for once. I, I think that pro pose is coming up for you one time here soon, Nikki. You're close.
2: <laughs> yeah, in Vegas, in Vegas. When we go to Vegas, we're gonna get a pro pose from from yours truly, Nick Alberga. Uh, my big pro pose right now is uh, the PK has really figured things out. They've uh, they fall in line. They're married. Uh, the last ten games, Toronto was uh, the seventh best PK in the NHL, they surrendered uh, four power play goals in the last 33 attempts. Uh, it seems like ever since, quite frankly, they came back from Sweden, they figured things out, but this is part for the course every season, right? It takes a couple games now.
1: Well, I hope so. I mean, we take uh, too many men on the ice penalty every single game. So we got to learn to kill some of that off, but no, it's, um, it's a good quality to have, right? It doesn't put so much pressure on you when you, when you do take a penalty and, and I mean, if your PK is weak and you get, you're getting X amount of goals scored on you every single game on the penalty kill, it really prohibits you from playing with aggression, from playing with intensity, from playing on edge, from getting out there to, to help your guys out and getting your nose in front of everybody. And you know, you can play with that edge and not be so worried about it. But when you're, you know, you're walking on thin ice, when you're trying to play with, with, uh, with aggression and intensity, if you're, penalty kill can't stop anything it's 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 difficult so when you have that behind you it's like a little feather in your cap you can play with a little more swagger and confidence and understand that guys are holding the fort back down behind you and you know especially when you take one of those good penalties where you just crush a guy or bury him and you know it gets the crowd fired up and the boys fired up puts their their guys on their heels and yeah you might get a boarding penalty or something like that but the guys will kill that off easily for you and you can rely on your PK it's it's always nice so it's a good trend to see and hopefully something that continues
2: We've, uh, we've come a long way from the preseason where the uh, the bit of the conversation was having Austin Matthews play the PK and <laughs> yeah, Nylander and Marner and all these sorts. At the end of the day, just don't surrender a goal. I don't really care about trying to score a goal. Just don't surrender a goal. And again, a lot of this ties to Joseph Wall. We talked about this yesterday on the show, but he, he's been excellent lately, Rosie. He really has. And yes. uh, I think it's been the biggest reason why the Leafs are, are on a hot stretch, at least points wise right now.
1: Yeah, it's nice, man. It's uh no one was talking about him. No one was talking about the goaltenders at all going into the season. I, I was I was surprised. Um, I was curious about how Sammy was gonna return. You know, that sophomore slump seems to be something that uh that plays a factor. Guys get here and and can can elevate themselves and, and run on adrenaline. And Sammy really proved himself to be able to be a player last year and this year kind of had a hiccup and is still trying to find it confidence-wise this year. But to have Wall come in and be that young and be that unproven, Um, you know, all signs pointed to him being a stud. We talked to guys that knew him from a young age that have worked with him in, in the past. And, you know, you see his interviews and he just seems like a kid that can hold confidence that doesn't let the moment He's just got his head screwed on straight and confidence is not an issue and he's a focused kid who's not going to go down the wrong roads or anything in any way shape or form and he's proven that with his play and that's huge it's it's a it's kind of a a shining star right now in the season on what's been going on and one uh, one of the things that's been going right has been him between the pipes and stepping up and showing that he can handle this market which is just awesome it's what they need for sure especially when a guy like Sammy uh, doesn't exactly have it you think if we had two goalies that, that weren't in the best place you know where we could be it could be a big old sky is falling scenario which uh this market's not not unaccustomed to Ilya samsonov uh, under the weather the last uh, couple
2: days we did see martin jones back up although i don't think there was one singular shot of martin jones on the leafs bench the other night which i thought was really really peculiar considering the whole goaltending situation for the leafs how bad samsonov has been but anyway sounds like samsonov is closer to a return again he hasn't started a game in like almost two weeks and uh, i'm very curious to see what they do Coming up on Thursday, maybe you go back to wall and then you go with Sammy on uh, Saturday against the Nashville Predators. This week's player to watch is presented by Covered Bridge Potato Chips. Rosie, I'll go first. I'm going to go with the captain, John Tavares. Suffice it is to say, I expect a bit of a a response this week. I think people were pissed off whether it was justified or not for the way the game ended against the, the Boston Bruins on Saturday. And John Tavares has a knack for stepping up sometimes. I think he does that this week against Ottawa and Nashville. Who do you have?
1: I like it. I'm going Max Domi. Um, he's got the monkey off his back by scoring his first goal of the season. Um, I think he's in limbo right now, trying to decide if he's going to stay on the positive side of things or not. You know, he got in that fight there a little while ago last week, where he fought Sam Bennett. Didn't really go really well. I feel like he kind of. <laughs> almost embarrassed himself afterwards by trying to chirp off and, but then got the monkey off his back with the first goal. I want him to be the max Domi that we thought we signed. I wanted to play with aggression. I wanted to be tough. I wanted to hit, I wanted to to be more like a Matthew to Chuck where he's chirping off, getting in guys's uh, face is being a distraction, getting guys off their game by worrying about him and then chipping in offensively too. just be that workhorse, be that depth that we need. We're going to need it in the playoffs. I want to start to see him stand up and show who he can be on this roster.
2: Go to CoverBridgeChips.com and follow on Instagram at CB underscore chips. Brought to you by Batana, the 2023 EGR winner for both the Best Sportsbook Operator of the Year and Best In-Play Sports Operator Awards. The game starts now. Uh, I had Tampa. I was all over Tampa yesterday. I'm going to ride the Minnesota Wild tonight on the road in Calgary. Uh, The Wild are 3-0-0 under John Hines, outscoring their opponents 13-3. And I'm I'm just not a believer in the Calgary Flames. I think the sell-off has only begun. I don't think they're a great team, quite frankly. I like Minnesota more.
1: Mm, well, like you say, they're hot. They're going into Toronto or they're going into Calgary. Uh, no reason not to think that a hot team like that could continue on with Calgary. They've got their issues, and they seem to be a little bit inconsistent. So I don't, uh, I don't mind that. It's kind of a a, a funny thing. Are they going to unload and sell off? They seem to kind of like have little little waves of. Productivity and all of a sudden, yeah. oh, are they back? And it's, it's, it's a, it'll be interesting to watch those guys out west to see what they do. And if they do overhaul that team or if they have some faith in certain guys, interesting to watch. But I, yeah, I, I don't mind the fading them tonight against the wild.
2: And the news came out uh, as we did this show right now, by the way, that Jacob Markstrom has a broken finger. Dustin Wolf, their uh, top prospect goaltender, has been uh, called up. So something to monitor in that game as well. Uh, Just reading some notes from the least practice. Timothy Lilligren is taking part in defensive drills prior to practice. Uh, Looks like he may join today's session for the first time since sustaining a high ankle sprain on November 2nd. That courtesy of uh, David Alter. Uh, I don't think he's anywhere close, but Ilya Samsonov and William Lagason are out on the ice after both players missed Sunday's practice due to illness also from David Alter. Um, So a lot of practice time for this team, I think is, is, is never a bad thing and a good time to lick some wounds. These guys have been banged
1: up lately. Yeah, for sure. It's, that's what you got to take those times and those breaks to do for sure. So hopefully everyone that's feeling uh, the effects of, you know, getting back into the season and getting this many games under their belt gets their time to do what they need to do with the time off. Because like we said earlier in the show, it's, uh, it's going to get hot and heavy here soon. Last but
2: not least, uh, Big underscore Kevin C. You're so bang on. 32 likes, 156 watching. That makes no sense. At the Leafs Nation 401, if you're watching right now, if you're listening right now, please subscribe. Hit us with that like button comment if you so please i think there's been a lot of comments and positive comments in the chat today about a rosie's internet and uh B, just uh the look of you today rosie people are uh, inspired by it by what just
1: sitting, just sitting just here looking. minding Great my studio. yeah this yeah. studio is nice to have and i got set up with some stuff but our big boy almost coming in uh this week and he's gonna set us up with some hardware so maybe oh!
2: Oh, that's the big breaking news on the show. I think yeah. Rosie's
1: computer is going the way of the Dodo Bird, right? No more crashy, crashy. We're doing an audio visual show. I think we're going to have some audio and visual components to go along with that that are more reliable. But this thing's trial and error, as you know. That's the best piece of information that we've gotten
2: on this show in uh, quite some time. So great news, Rosie. Excellent stuff. And we'll reconvene tomorrow. Okay. Cool. I'll be there. I'm glad I still have a job. Thank you to Bruce Boudreaux for filling yeah. in my nice seat. It's always good. I, I was voting in, in favor of bringing Gabby back full time, but uh, he couldn't do it. So uh, we landed I, on you yet again. I believe you. You're not a At the Leafs fan. Nation 401, that's Jay Rose Hill. Many thanks to everybody in the chat. Many thanks to producer Aaron. Um, again, that's Jay Rose Hill. I'm Nick Alberga. We'll talk on Wednesday. Take care.
1: Thank you for watching Leafs Morning Take. Hit that subscribe button and never miss a show. And for more, visit TheLeafsNation.com. T-H-E-L-E-A-F-S-N-A-T-I-O-N dot com.
2: (laughs) You don't know how to spell The Leafs Nation. You know what I mean? Um, But hey, sometimes you never know.